Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to episode 14 of the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here as always with Byron Lambert. Last time we left you guys, we were in a car cramped up for Roster Watch Nation, uh, heading from Texas A&M Pro Day and Miles Garrett and Josh Reynolds and Ricky Seals-Jones all the way out to Texas Tech to watch Patrick Mahomes, all of that video from those two pro days up at rosterwatch.com. Now we check back in with Byron Lambert, who for the first time, uh, not in studio or not in car with me, actually on his way to LSU pro day as we speak. More maniacal effort for Roster Watch Nation. Byron, how's that drive going so far? Where are you at? What is your estimated time of arrival in Baton Rouge? <laughs> Man, I do things a little differently when you're not in the car. <laughs> I've been I've been mopping through the Texas countryside windows down the whole way. Well, you know, I wouldn't stand. As you, as you know, when you called to test this sound connection a few <laughs> minutes ago, and you could hear all the noise in the background. <laughs> windows windows down. Just made it to a nice drive through East Texas. Just hit the concrete jungle. Here in uh, downtown Houston. Yeah, you might want to roll those. Win- you might want to roll those windows up if you're in downtown Houston. <laughs> oh, I've got, I've, got no the air on, I've got the air on recirculate through all the filters in the cabin here. Trust <laughs> me, I'm not sucking this exhaust down from in front of me. Uh, but uh, I'd say estimated the time of arrival is going to be about five o'clock in Baton Rouge. Somehow I've managed to. Swindle at two free nights at the Lobert's, a hotel, a casino in Baton Rouge. So I'm sure there will be some action there this evening and tomorrow evening for myself as compensation for this trip, this solo trip for Roster Watch Nation. Speaking of swindles, what in the hell was that swindle that the NFL ran on Roster Watch Nation yesterday? What happened? I saw it. Dude, I can't believe it. Roster, it was, uh, they, you know, NFL Network and Fox Sports 1 and ESPN and everybody else had their news desks ask us if they could use our Patrick Mahomes footage from Pro Day because we, because we wanted to go do the work. That that in itself, let's explain to the listeners, that in itself is interesting. I feel that my brother's an attorney and so is his wife, and I can't wait to, to talk to them about. All of this. Well, what, well, 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 what happened for people who... It is like the Wild West, but it is interesting that what has developed as either a best practice or a common practice is that every, every major media source has a Twitter account with very few followers that's, a, that's labeled as an official news desk for that media outlet. And what they do is they source social media all day and they go around asking people for uh, permission to use the you know any content that they may have created and shared on social media that's compelling on their on their own uh, you know mass uh, mainstream media platforms and I, I find that interesting in, in its own right but it sure is like herding cats trying to get these guys to actually give you the credit and send you the links to the content where they use your material. Yeah, and of course you want the links because you know that our marketing guy always loves to have those links, stuff to put up. It always helps. He always says it helps to link back to the website, all the stuff like that. But I, I mean, I thought the most interesting point point is like what we're talking about is our Patrick Mahomes footage. You've probably seen the video, the 80-yard bomb. If you follow us on Twitter, you saw it. And, um, you know, NFL News Desk reached out to us to use it. I think that uh, Fox Sports 1, ESPN, like we said, and 
Then NFL yesterday tweets out this thing. It's like Patrick Mahomes, 80-yard bomb, and it just has like a strong arm meme next to it, and it just said, here's the video, and there's no credit given. It's crazy. So I guess... Hold on, hold on. Let's go into more detail. It's more interesting than that. So the NFL news desk, uh, NFL network news desk uh, contacted us directly on Twitter, asked if they had permission to use the Patrick Mahomes video, which is on, on the Monday morning... NFL Good Morning broadcast. Now, the interesting thing was there was only one Patrick Mahomes video at that point that existed that we had put out on social media. Alex gave them permission, asked them to please provide credit uh, either on air or on any online content, and then he proceeded to follow up by sharing a second angle that he and only he had from the stands. These were two videos that only Alex and I had, the only two that exist. And when we when we watched, uh, I had to, I followed up with everybody, uh, including NFL uh, News Desk, and I asked them, uh, after Alex had given permission, to please provide the link. Well, at that point, everybody went silent. It's once they have permission, they run willy-nilly, and you <laughs> yeah. can forget about, you can forget about communication from these people. And, so I told Alex, please, please DVR the NFL Network morning show and let's see if we can catch this thing. Sure enough, we did. They had given us credit on that show, which is, uh, you know, terrific for Roster Watch Nation uh, when they aired it right there with Nate, Nate, Nasty Nate Burleson, of all people, breaking it down. Oh, the, oh, 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 the, robot, the robot genius, would you, the robot genius's little pants are lighting on fire as we speak. But what happened was that they they did a great job taking both pieces of video we'd sent them, both proprietary, exclusive, and the only ones that exist, and they spliced them together to make a really cool video that started with my angle from the back uh, behind Mahomes of him launching from the 26-yard line, and then Alex's sideline angle, they spliced it in at the end so that you can see the downward trajectory of the ball after it had come through the apex and exactly where it landed and was caught in the end zone, you know, approximately 78, you know, 79, maybe 80 yards away had the ball hit the ground. Now, so, so at that point, you know, we know that the NFL owns NFL Network. We know we've given the NFL Network news desk permission to use our video. At that point, you know, you can go ahead and suppose that they are can share internally with the NFL who owns them. So they had made their own video that they gave us credit for on air that was the splicing of these two. Well, later in the day, the NFL, to its 21.2 million followers, makes its own tweet with the exact video that they aired that morning on the NFL Network morning show, on which they had given us credit. This time... They tweeted that video out without any credit to Roster Watch to all their 21 plus million followers. We got no attribution. The thing's been retweeted thousands and thousands of times. It's a missed opportunity for exposure for Roster Watch Nation. And it's like Alex said, frankly, and my brother agreed with this. Uh, the NFL, this is the kind of thing the NFL would sue you for in one second flat. <laughs> yeah. It would. But when you're the small man on the totem pole, you just can't do those things. And it potentially, you know, it's probably not worth a, bur- uh, uh, a bridge worth burning trying to do a blizzard over this one point. But boy, I got to say, that was, a, that was, that was a, a pretty big swindle. And they still have not responded. Alex reached out to ask them where the attribution was. We have not gotten a single response. Yeah, and, and what she, I mean, what I've just come to realize, and what this goes to show, is two things really. And this is something that I learned whenever, like, when my when my dad was still alive, and my dad got sued, right? And he got sued by by his client, which was a big for profit hospital company, and he was in the right, you know, the 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 whole time. They were trying to hold out on paying him what he had what 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 he had earned, you know, as a as a, as 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 a vendor to that hospital company and you come to realize real quick that if you have all the money of all the cash you have all the lawyers you know there's certain laws that you can just break and you know that nobody's going to come after you for it and i i just i i think be, because it costs so much cash you know even if you're going to be suing somebody for something 
at a certain point they fire they file countersuits against you they they uh you know they they you know they put up all kinds of obstacles to where there's nothing that you can do as the little guy in this because they're just going to spend more than you can on on their legal affairs and they're going to inundate them with with uh, all kinds of stuff and you have to hire hire more representation and so I think it shows that, you know, for one, that if you're the little guy, oftentimes you get screwed in these matters. I think it also shows for two that it really is, man. And like in the new media and in social media and stuff like that, this isn't the first time we've gotten swindled out of our content. It's not going to be the last time. It certainly was by somebody like the NFL. There are these dirt balls like the, like the Twitter account NFL retweet that steal everybody's shit all the time and just retweet it as their own. And I mean, you can just expect that from the low life scumbags of, of the internet and the, and the trolls that, that that uh that hide in the shadows, but it's just you know this was this was certainly the first time I'd experienced anything weird like that from the actual you know National Football League or for some, from some big entity like like we were talking about earlier Fox Sports One ESPN NFL Network all reached out for attribution we're all very uh, cool about it but it also shows the wild west nature of the internet and just how con how about how no content is really I mean once you share it into the social media uh, ethos and in, in, in into the atmosphere once it's shared into that it's almost like it doesn't belong to you anymore i'm sure the law says something different but it's almost like you've shared this for communal consumption and now it belongs to everybody yeah it really feels like we 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 got stamped we got the mushroom stamp to the forehead on this one from the <laughs> nfl hey. but certainly, certainly at least we have something in common with the players now <laughs> certainly lends credence to the notion of the machine, the big machine that is the NFL who loves to walk around and, you know, and dominate. Yeah, well, the NFL does dominate. Uh, Roster Watch Nation, it's a good time to remind you that we dominate in fantasy football. We dominate in dynasty football. We do we dominate in DFS. Uh, you can get a Roster Watch Pro membership at rosterwatch.com for less than a cheap cup of coffee. There's some great tools going up this week in addition to all of the Pro Day videos we've talked about. Byron's Pro Day uh, exclusive raw footage that'll be going up from LSU. Uh, we have our newest team needs tool, which should be up at some point in the week, which identifies each team's uh, top seven needs in a uh, in a uh, sortable form, so it's going to be easy for you to kind of help with your mock drafts or see you know where you could project players going around your favorite team. Uh, also, we have coming up the player profile series, which will uh, now that the pro days have basically ended after LSU. Um, we'll be able to go back with all of the official measurements and uh, profile players, give NFL projections moving forward. It's all with the pro membership at rosterwatch.com. Also, if you're listening to this podcast, you like this podcast, give us five stars in iTunes. Give us a good review in iTunes. I just got the analytics. Byron sent me the analytics that our marketing guy sent from the podcast. Holy crap, man, there's a ton more of you listening, and we really appreciate that, but what we're going to need you to do is go and give us a, a good rating, a good review. We only have like 25 five-star reviews. Maybe what, Byron, how many five-star reviews do we have right now? 25? 20, 26, and that's pathetic with the thousands of people that are listening. There's so many Guys, people listening to so, every, like these. It's so hard for you if you want more of this. Take five minutes while you're on the shitter. It doesn't even take five minutes. It takes two minutes. It takes Just less than, it takes two seconds. Give it a five-star rating, and please write a review just because, personally, I love going back and reading those. So I check that thing regularly to see what the new reviews say. And those of you who have posted reviews done an excellent job, and we appreciate all of you. Always appreciate Roster Watch Nation. All right, so let's hit with the big news of the day. Tony Romo, officially retired, will not be using the number nine practice jersey for any uh, for any purposes <laughs> moving forward, Byron, thoughts on this? I mean, we've been talking about it. It's just one of the, another thing that we've kind of pontificated about here on the podcast. That's come home to roost. Man, I think he's definitely saved a few practice jerseys in the closet <laughs> for, for special special events and opportunities. Yeah, um, I thought they said it was a soft retirement uh, well i mean it's just uh it's sounds it's, like a sounds like a showtime or an hbo 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's been well. No, it's been de- well. It's just it's it's been designated as a his his release has been designated as a post June first release, and he's 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 going to retire. He's got a great he's got a great gig lined up with CBS Sports. He's he's going to retire. Yeah, and I thought they were calling it a softer retirement, and he says that if and when the Cowboys need him, he'll be ready to come out. <laughs> out of the out of the broadcast booth. All right. So, do you believe that? I semi believe that. I think, I think it's, it's hard. I, I mean, think it's hard for people to give up on things. I think it's hard for people to, to move on. He wants to play, and what have I been saying all along is that the best opportunity was for him to stay in Dallas as a backup. You know, the problem isn't the Cowboys. The problem is Romo. He just doesn't want to do it. But I've been saying all along that's the best and honestly could be most likely scenario. We're very close to that having come home to roost. And the thing is, I, nobody knows what's going to happen with Dak Prescott still. this is I mean, the Cowboys are a Super Bowl team with Tony Romo as well. They're, you know, they're in contention to be one of the best teams in the league when he's healthy. I think it's major, major insurance. I wish they could work something out where he stayed as a full-time backup, but he's kind of he's hinting at the fact that, hey, if week four comes around or training camp comes through and Dak Prescott blows an ACL, I bet you, I, I bet you a bunch of Jimmy John sandwiches. Tony Romo goes right back to Dallas in that circumstance. Oh, maybe. I mean, maybe if it's a preseason thing or something like that. I he's not going to come out of the broadcast booth in week ten or something. I just can't see any. You know, I you don't think he fancies himself a bit of a Brett Favre? Oh, I know he fancies himself a bit of a Brett Favre. I'm just, and I mean, to be honest, he pro- he's the kind of guy who's probably thinks he could pull. I just uh, here's the thing, man. I don't know. I mean, you're not in playing shape. You haven't been going to practice every day. You don't have the you don't have the the playbook. I guess the playbook doesn't really change that much. But you don't have the install in from any of the new concepts. You, they're they're just. It just seems like there are things just being around the football team for you know the all of training camp and then all through the season and seeing the weekly things that have happened. The the way that um, the way that certain schemes have morphed and and I mean especially towards the end of the season about how you, you know you would fare versus one opponent now versus how you did the first time that you faced them personnel wise or what they might have brought the first time. It just seems like it's the kind of thing where you just can't. I could see him maybe doing it if it was at the, towards the beginning of the season. I'm just saying I, I don't think I could see Dak Prescott getting hurt towards the end of the football season and Tony Romo coming in and acting like he's going to be the guy that's going to take these guys into the playoffs and beyond. It just, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem reasonable, and it seems like it seems like something like out of a movie, you know, like a, like an old comedy movie. Well, what's more fitting for the Dallas Cowboys? And Tony Romo. Not, certainly. <laughs> Certainly not ideal. It's why I think that him being a full-time backup for the Cowboys continued to make so much sense. However, if there's a situation where you could imagine it happening, it would be one where he's been with this coach and this team for all these years. All right. Hey, well, hey, 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 man, I have a question. We, we never got back to um, – after we, we complained about the NFL, the NFL Swindles roster watch. I think that's going to be the title of this podcast. Um but, like, what actually... I mean, they walked around with the big, big swinging dong, and they just slapped us right over the head. With and that's how they treat a lot of people. And But, like you said, no and reason... I they dominate earlier. I think the word, that was a really nice word for bully, is what the Mike Freemans of the world would call it. Right. Yeah, and the, but here's the thing. Like I said, now we <laughs> now we know how the people feel who get who get swindled by the NFL, and it only happened to us on a little small, little small, tiny little scale. Like, imagine how it feels when they're messing with your cash, dude. They're messing with your livelihood, the food you're gonna put on your kids' table, or just or just you know they're being swindly about what the, you know. There, there's a million things that people accuse the NFL of. It just sure goes to show, man, that there there could be times wherever they are just bigger and badder than you, but. Anyway, back to back to Patrick Mahomes. Like we we talked about only about the video of it. Just what did you think of it? What did you think of Patrick Mahomes' pro day? Where are you on Patrick Mahomes com- coming out of that thing? I, I don't think we've had that conversation on the podcast for Roster Watch Nation. Well, as you and I always discuss, the filming a pro day is always different than watching slash live scouting a pro day. So what this is always going to require is us to go back watch our own video. I've actually watched already 
so the way we shoot the video is we go rep by rep so that you don't have to sit there and watch a 50-minute throwing session. You can just go rep by rep, watch his footwork, watch the release, watch the throw. It's fantastic. And so I've already watched some of those, but I, I'm going to have to go back and watch the whole pro day to get a, a real good uh, handle on it. My instincts, my first impression is that it, it reminded me exactly of what I saw at the Combine. It was just like the Combine. A guy with... You know, look, when you throw the ball 80 yards, it's not. It's hard to argue that you're not the strongest arm in the NFL. To me, when I watch him, I think it's a strong arm. I don't think it's the strongest arm in the league. I think it's a good one. I think his RPMs could be a little better. Sometimes the ball's got a little wobble to it. I think he's got a lot of drive. He's got a lot of drive, and he can throw it deep on the, on the rainbow, you know. But I think... You know, it's a good arm, but mainly the thing I noticed is he's inaccurate deep. And at the combine, I said, well, let's give him a pass because these are wide receivers he's never choreographed with. You know, and otherwise, it looks like he has a real live arm out there. I mean, look, this is that pro day. He's had time to work with these guys. These are guys he played with, and it was the same thing. It was a bunch of missed balls deep. Um, and I, you know... I think that's a huge issue as far as accuracy. Strikes me as a guy that it's hard for me to see him ever being some 60 or 65 percent. I think it's going to be hard for him to be a real plus 60 percent passer based on what I've seen. You know, but maybe he's a guy like a Favre that even though he's got a big arm, you can put him into higher percentage offense and like a West Coast offense, and, and maybe he's a smart enough guy and his footwork. Uh, is or can be good enough to, to get there. It'll be interesting to see, but it's like Loico. I had Mike Loico on the show on Sunday on the Serious XM show, and, you know, he was just talking casually about it. He used the word, you know, reach, referring to, you know, some surprises he's expecting in the first round, and then he was saying, look, I'm expecting teams to reach for Patrick Mahomes. And I said, well, it's interesting you say that because this is kind of where we're at on him. And, I mean, he's a, he looks like a little, you know, a developmental prospect, you know. So, this is a supply and demand situation. Patrick Mahomes, all the tea leaves, if you read all the tea leaves, all signs point towards Patrick Mahomes. Anything that we've learned to key in on over the years, through all the travail, all those signals and signs point to Patrick Mahomes being a first-round pick this year. And... My takeaways were one, I completely agree. I think it's going to be a first round pick. I love that Loiko said it was going to be a, he's going to reach for it. But that's how, I mean, how many of these, how many of these guys have we seen in the last few years that we say, look, he's probably a second round guy, but we could see somebody reaching up for him, reaching up into the first. It doesn't always happen, but, you know, certainly how we sort of thought about a, you know, how we thought about like a Derek Carr, how we thought about a Jimmy Garoppolo. There's, there's been a ton of guys kind of like that. I just, I sort of feel that same way about Patrick Mahomes. Certainly, I'm not saying that I like him as much as a prospect, as, as a prospect, uh, as I like to Derek Carr, but I'm just saying, you know, you, you kind of see that situation. You kind of see like this is a guy that a team would like to optimally take in the second round just because of the value of the quarterback position, but possibly, you know, because of the value of the quarterback position, they feel like they have to move up, especially with the horrid quarterback play in the league right now and the fact that all the good ones are you know, most of the good ones are getting ready to retire which is just a, a whole other crazy yeah. deal but um uh, I, I, anyway well, he did uh, agree that he did agree that the cardinals would be a good you know everybody everybody seems to be on board with the idea that he'd be a pretty good fit with arizona <laughs> how fast you how, how fast you going in that ride man i hear that k-band going off on the radar detector man i'm only doing about <laughs> 62 right slow, now. Slow, slow it down you know, through Ace Town. Is, man, it starts popping up. <laughs> All um, right, but basically, I've, I felt the same way about Mahomes, but here's the thing, though. I think besides the horrible accuracy issues on the deep balls to the sidelines, I thought that it looks like it did like it did in college for him, that on the posts, on the out routes, on the curls, the hitches, he has good timing, and he slices and dices those things in there. You know, he has good timing, good touch. I think in the right kind of offense, I think that he can be pretty sick. And I think he showed us in that 76 or to set to 80 yard bomb, you know, basically a Hail Mary from his own 26 yard line that I feel like went five. I mean, go to rosterwatch.com, watch the video. I think that I think it went five yards into the end zone. I think it's I think it's a uh, at least an 
79, possibly up to 81-yard bomb. He showed that he has the arm strength. I think if that arm strength can be refined, I think you're looking at a guy who, I mean, what are – what do we really, you know, what do we really need to see out of him? Like, if if he can refine that and he has that arm strength, I mean, what more do you need to know of his actual arm strength? As far as the brute strength of his arm in a caveman sense, it's about as strong as they come. It's it's about whether anybody thinks that they can that they can refine it. I think the way that he can slice and dice, though, and, and the way that I picture him uh, kind of operating at the intermediate level, God damn it, dude. You must be fucking speeding your ass off. Man, I'm only going. I'm going seventy. I forgot even what the fuck I'm talking about. No, what what I want to see. These police police are high alert on the outskirts of Houston here, man. I'm sure. Uh, As I head as I head towards Beaumont, I'm ready to get the hell out of here, man. Well, basically, in short, I think teams are going to see. I think teams are going to see the same little something in Patrick Mahomes that I see in Patrick Mahomes, and somebody is going to think that they can that, that they can work on him. Like like there's a piece a of clay like and just get there. it. There's right. a lot to like. I think there's actually some. I don't want to. There's a there's some comparisons or parallels I believe that can be made to Carson Wentz. I think the difference is, and we saw it. This is huge as far as development. Wentz coming out of that pro style system made a huge, huge difference, and Mahomes doesn't have that. Right. And who's the last air raid quarterback that was any good at the NFL level? I don't know. I mean, I can't think of one. Not that it's the same air raid, but I mean, it's Kingsbury. That's kit. That's kissing cousins stuff. Um, all right. So, and, and we should also say about Patrick Mahomes that the, the wide receivers that he was like throwing it to one of those guys, bench one of those guys did two, did 37 reps on bench. You know, the kid scansy, but boy, is he stiff, stiff, stiff. I mean, and um, I I don't even remember who the other guy was that he was throwing to. So no, we're not we're not going to talk about Tyler Scalzi, are we? <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about him. Uh, but, but the point is, these guys who he was throwing to sucked. I've um, never seen a guy strutting around with no clothes on. <laughs> At pro day, more than more than him, his number one objective was to get out there and show his body off. Yeah, oh, hey man, the it's, NFL scouts. He's a freak. He's a genetic freak, it, boy. He's a, stiff team, a, he's a stiff athlete. <laughs> I'll tell you that he's already had a uh, a meeting with the Jets, the pencil next stiff front office. You got to be kidding me. The Jet, no, the Jets had a. Uh, they brought Mahomes and Scalzi in for private meeting. And potentially work out. Well, do you know what they're looking at Scalzi as is as, as a long snapper? But like we said, we're not going to talk about Scalzi on this podcast. Uh, but you're on the way to you're on the way even, to look. Even the homers, even the homers in the Lubbock media said this guy sucks. <laughs> but like we said, we're not going to spend any time on the podcast talking about Tyler Scalzi. Um, let's just I, the main point is that the wide receivers that he had with him there were terrible. So just Garbage. some something Garbage. to keep in mind. Um all right, so onward and onward and upward, we are moving to LSU Pro Day. Uh before we just we'll we'll we'll, we'll do it at the kind of the opposite this week. We'll get out of here with some news and notes. But let's just get to LSU Pro Day real quick. I'm looking over it right now. It looks like we don't have any of the uh we don't have any measurements from Leonard Fournette from the combine except for the 40 and the pretty bad vertical. What do you think? I mean, the 4-5-140, is he going to look to kind of get a little bit of hometown discount on that 40 at the LSU fast track? You th- do you think he's going to run? think he's going to stand on his uh, stand on his time from Indy? What's your, like, I mean, he's clearly going to probably have to do the rest of his workout. He didn't do the bench. He didn't do the, like, he, after that 28-and-a-half-inch broad jump, I think he, or that 28-and-a-half-inch vertical, I think he just decided he was going to put off broad jump and three cone and, you know, shuttle and everything, like, that off until his pro day. Do you think he's going to do all those? Or do you think he's going to be one of these guys that just gets away with not doing some of them? I think it's a great question. I've actually been pondering the same thing on this drive. You know, does, does he need to run? Will he run? You know, I, it, right now, he's, it feels like he's really solidified his status, you know, at the very top of this draft. I'm not sure that he needs to do a whole lot. Uh, I won't be surprised if I show up again to work out tomorrow. Something tells me the competitor in him is going to run. 
is going to run with the hometown pro day discount and try to go sub four five. I I mean I, I mean what I mean wouldn't you if you were him just get that thing with yeah. a four four on it somehow? I think he's got. I mean, here's the other thing: he can't he can't hurt himself by running. You know what I mean? He's not going to hurt himself. So can he help I mean, himself? We'll find out. We'll find out. I think this will say a lot about Leonard Fournette. If he runs tomorrow, because I don't think he has to. I don't think he has to do anything tomorrow. What do they say about him? I think he might run the 40. I think he'll definitely take part in passing. What do it say about about him if if he runs the 40 or or doesn't run the 40? Oh, I think if he runs the 40, it says he's a competitor. It says that he's a dog and he's a competitor. And that's what you want to see. Uh, He doesn't shy away. And... You know, but let's not over let's not overblow this thing. But I do think it does say that. I, I'm almost certain he's going to do pass catching drills. He's going to have to. Derrick, yes, yes. It's going to be a Derrick Henry display of pass catching drills. That I, I believe will be one of the primary objectives in this pro day, just like we saw at Alabama last year for Henry. Um, probably like Deontay Foreman put him through a couple of couple of just minor low impact pass protection drills just to look good for a minute or two and uh, we'll see i don't know i mean he didn't do the shuttles at the combine no three cone that's what everybody wanted to see change the direction yeah we'll find out we'll find out he's gonna want to improve on that 28 and a half inch vertical i think he's gonna do a full pro day i think he's i think it'll be the like zeke elliott last year at ohio state where he does most of the pro day, uh, but he's you know he's out there keeping it pretty low impact. All right, so let's so, so let's let's do over unders then. He didn't do bench press. Uh, if, if you look at if you look at Loico's spreadsheet, you can go to rosterwatch.com, find a link to Mike Loico's combine spreadsheet. He does a great job with keeping the the uh, recent historical average and the recent records on there per position for bench press. The recent historical uh, average. Oh, this is actually much higher than I would have thought. It's 20.4, over or under on bench. I think it's under. I kind of do, too. I think it's a little bit under. I think he just doesn't get up to do it very much. I think he knows it doesn't matter. Um, I think it's under. It doesn't matter. And I don't think he's going to kill himself trying to get up, get from 17 to 20. Right. And, and, that, and you can tell, like, being our first time this year to get to see bench press live, you can tell that right there, 16 or so to 20. You know, 20 is what they're all kind of shooting for. 16 or so to 20 is where it starts getting real hard. It looks like they could be throwing out their shoulder or something, you know, throwing their ass up and getting them counted against their them. Back, yeah. Their back starts coming off the bench. Um, Not good. All right, so vertical. This is an easy under. 35.1 is the recent historical average. Definitely under. He had a 28.5 his first try. Yeah, under. I want him. Mean, that's one you wonder if he'll do it again. I, you know, I'm assuming. I'm assuming he will. I mean, we'll 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 find out. But yeah, under broad jump nine eleven over or under. I'll give him an over on that. You know, for some reason, I think when you watch Fournette tape, he as good of an athlete as he is, he doesn't strike you as a guy when you watch him on tape that would have an overly explosive vertical broad jump. I see that. I see that when I watch him. It doesn't matter. Three cone, the ever-elusive 6.99. That's seven threshold for running backs that we always talk about. I think he'll go sub-seven. You think he'll go sub-seven? I, I, I think I had Foreman in about 7 to 7.05. You know, very close to a seven flat. And I think that even though Fournette is maybe a, I guess he's a smidgen taller and a little more upright. I don't think he's as stiff laterally. I think he's a little. That's the wrong way to say it. I think he's more flexible laterally than Foreman is. And so we'll see. Malachi Dupree. Malachi Dupree, one of our favorites. Another guy, or one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know if he's a. Don't know if he's one of Byron's favorites. We'll see how you like him from uh, from from the workouts tomorrow. But 
I mean, he had a huge vertical. He had a huge vertical, 39 and a half, had a big broad, 11 and three, the three cone. Not the best, but there. I mean, seven point one nine had a good had had a good short shuttle at four point two six. It was the forty that you think he might revisit uh, at four point five two. What do you think? I mean, the, the, what do you think about Malachi Dupree? Do you think he's just going to stand on his? I think his combine was fairly strong. We had him on the radio show. He seemed happy with his combine measurables. Uh, any thoughts about Malachi Dupree? What you're looking to see out of him? I'm just, I'm just excited to go scout him. I mean, Malachi Dupree is the guy that is, um, always in the background, my background observations of the landscape of college football was always a guy I kind of had my eye on. He has been impressive for a few years there at LSU. And I'll get to go see him in the same exact setting that we saw at Jarvis Landry, that we saw in Odell Beckham in. And I'm going to leave that place. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to tell you guys, you know, what it felt like compared to uh, that pro day. I think I, I think with Malachi, it's going to be a good one, man. But we'll see, we'll see. I I know that. Well, I know that he he doesn't have his. You won't be having those big flashes of hamburger helper hands like you did with uh, Odell Beckham and with Jarvis Landry because the two guys who were there, Malachi only nine inch hands, and then the guy that we hate, Traven Doral from LSU. I'm sure he'll be working out too, nine and eighth inch hands. His, his measurables were just awful. This is a guy that came in with absolute burner speed. When I first watched his tape from his sophomore season, I said, holy shit, this guy is, you know, this guy's a 4-3 guy, you know, 4-3. I think the injuries are what really sapped it with Traven Doral, his explosiveness, because his broad jump, brutal, 9-8. His vertical, brutal, 30.5. His 40, 4.57. I'm sure he'll do everything over again if he doesn't. I think that that's just uh, basically ad- ad- admitting that uh, that a ton of his explosiveness that he came in with as such a track star has been lost. I thought he was awful at the uh, Senior Bowl out of the 25 wide receivers. I've done extensive work on thus far and ranked thus far. I have him ranked dead last as number 25. Any further thoughts on Traven Doral Byron or any, I don't know, any... Uh, any, yeah, I've seen I've seen all the Trayvon Durrell I need to see for one <laughs> off season. For one off time. Right. Uh, this is going to be solo. This is going to be a hair on fire situation tomorrow. Trying to capture as much video of Fournette, Dupree, and the safety Adams while I'm there. That guy like Trayvon Durrell may be one where I got to take a breather or get a reset on the camera. Yeah, well, man, you, you know I wish I could be there, especially with the uh, especially with the free stay at the casino. That's a casino that we've taken a lot of cash out of in the last few years, and one that you've definitely... Well, we, 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 we always stay it, man. I mean, we've traveled the country. The Gulf Coast poker games are the softest poker games yeah. in the country. Yep. Uh, it's like taking candy from a baby, and, um, I mean, it's just, we, it's just so easy to take those dirt balls to task. They're a bunch of swamp creatures. They are, and let me say this, and we'll tell you that we'll tell you this. Uh, it used to be we used to get people on big tilt by talking election, and you get talking election at the poker table, and you could just start talking about it and didn't even have to continue with it, and it would get people on such tilt that they would like start pushing money in. Uh, it seems like Byron, do you feel like since the election? It's like been the gift that's kept on giving, right? Like you can go there, you could go to the table, talk about Trump, and people just get on tilt in the same way that they did uh, during during the election. Yeah, it sure does. This is this is a strategy that we thought was going to die, uh, a poker <laughs> strategy that we thought was going to die with the election in November. One where you would go to the poker table and once you kind of integrated yourself in the scene and got a feel for. Uh, uh, the other players, you start rolling little hand grenades out, you know, wrapped in either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump talk pre-election. Well, you thought that strategy was, I thought that was a one-year ordeal. We were going to get to use that tool. But I think you're right, man. I think now all you got to do is be at the poker table and you can start talking. You can start talking Russian investigation. You can start talking <laughs> Susan Rice unmasking, leaking <laughs> By our intelligence agency, you can talk tax returns. You can talk Comey. You can talk Rogers. 
NSA, FBI, man. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff you could bring up now. They just get people pushing their chips in the middle. I was just saying. I was just saying. I think there's still a lot of meat left on that bone. No, there's still a lot of meat left on that bone for sure. I'm well, well, you'll test it out. Hopefully tonight. You're gonna be at that casino by what time today? I had a. Well, I'll be at the casino around five thirty. Five thirty. I don't know. You, you think what? Uh, you think I'll head straight to the poker table? I think- I'm, I'm planning on maybe. And I'm maybe getting a little, little R and R in first. We'll see. What's your over, what are you putting the over at for my hours spent at the poker table? Uh, for over two over two nights in Baton Rouge. So you're definitely staying tonight, the night before, and then after the pro day tomorrow, you're gonna go back and just stay. I guess you might as well if it's free. Yeah, I got two free nights. Um, free nights. Yeah. I mean, I'd say you're going to, I mean, you're going to be there working, you're going to be there working. I'd say you're probably, if I, oh man, I think it just depends on how you start out. I think by the time the drunks start getting there at 11 p.m., it'll just depend on where, where, where your stack is, you know? I think if your stack's big enough to where you can be wooly and jerky with, uh, with, with some of the drunks that come in a little bit later, it could be a late night for you tonight. Um, I'll say... Total hours. You'll probably be able to find out on that card of yours. I'll bet you total hours will be. I put the over under at nineteen. All right, we'll get a player's card. I'll make sure and use it every time I sit down at the poker table, and we'll see how this shakes out. <laughs> right, that sounds sounds good to me. So Byron will be uh, tweeting from uh, LSU Pro Day. If you are listening to this uh, when it when it came out, of course today being. April 4th, we'd like to think that a lot of this content that we talk about is evergreen, but for those of you who do listen to it, um, right when it comes out, that'll be on Wednesday that that Pro Day does occur. So let's just go over some quick news and notes before we get out of here, let Byron get back on the road. One thing that I just wanted to touch on really quickly was that uh, it was about Ryan, Ryan Pace. He met with the media. And he's talking about Kevin White. They're asking about Kevin White. And he's saying that he's saying all the right. Basically, everything is a Kevin White owner that you want to hear. Saying that he has what it takes to turn his career around. That, uh, that, that his work ethic and his approach and his support system. He's going to come back ready to go. He has to shake off some of the bad luck. So, obviously, you know, Kevin White comes into Chicago now. Now that Alshon Jeffrey's gone... I mean, with first round, top 10 pedigree, beastly pedigree. I mean, does this change your feelings towards Kevin White at all? Like, where are you on Kevin White? I'd, 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 trade, the rights for, I'd trade the rights to him. Uh, I'd trade him for the rights to draft John Ross or Mike Williams instantly right now. What about Corey Davis? Not sure. Because he's still at... Because he has the same uncertainties. Yeah, I think that's a close call. I would, I would right now trade Kevin White, a prospect who we've liked a lot, very beastly with a lot of upside still to be had. I would, I would, I would insta call on trading Kevin White for the draft rights to John Ross or Mike Williams. Hey, speaking of John Ross, I wasn't on the, I wasn't on the show on, uh, on. On Sunday, I've just had a bunch of I've had a bunch of stuff that I've that I've been needing to take care of, and that you know I wasn't at the show Sunday. I'm not, I'm not able to go on this trip, but I'm I was on such tilt because I had to miss the John Ross interview on Siri, on the SiriusXM radio program uh, for you guys in Roster Watch Nation who are just strictly podcast listeners. That is God damn it that that goddamn thing, man. Um, for the guys who are strictly podcast listeners, the uh, the the radio show is on Sirius XM. If you're a subscriber there, we're on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio in the off season, just one day a week on Sundays from three to five p.m. Eastern. Byron, well, like, what are some highlights from that hey, interview no, with John I, Ross? I gotta, I gotta ride with protection when I'm doing podcasts for Ross to watch. What are some, what are some takeaways? It's not the radar detectors that are illegal. It's the radar jammers that are illegal. Oh, is that what it is? Well, here's the thing. What, yeah. How how are they going to know that it was you that jammed it? I haven't thought that much about it. 
Well, you have you have about four more hours of drive ahead of you, so <laughs> give us some thought. What do you? What did John? I'm going to be li- I'm going to be listening to I'm going to be listening to this roster watch podcast 14 the minute that it goes up. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, and, and and that's a good reminder to uh, all you guys listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you're not subscribed. You get it pushed right to your phone the minute it comes out. Everybody else has to wait a few hours after it gets uploaded to our RSS feed. If you're subscribed on iTunes, it gets pushed right to your phone. You get an alert. You can listen right then. Also, if you're listening to, to this podcast and you like this podcast, please, there are thousands of you listening to every podcast now. The, the audience is growing in an immense way, and we love that. But you guys aren't giving us enough good reviews and enough good star ratings. Well, hey, we, should start, we should start giving people shout-outs on the show who give good reviews and comments to Roster Watch. Maybe, maybe we can even consider letting a few of these dirtballs call in as guests on the show if they compliment us enough. Yes. In those online reviews and comments. All right. So next week we're going to start reading out the reading out the reviews. So please give us a review, and we'll have a review section next week. Also, if you're not a member at Roster Watch, go get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee, and you support us on on our maniacal uh, travels and travails in these maniacal efforts. God damn that thing! All right, let's get let's get to John Ross. What did he say on the show? We're avoiding speed traps for Roster Watch Nation. What did John Ross say on the show? Blew me away. Kid blew me away. Sharp, sharp, humble, down-to-earth kid that gets it. I mean, I'm just, I was blown away. He's everything that you, anything that you didn't know about him inside the locker room or between the years. You know, say you're in love with just his tape, as I was. He checked all the boxes, man. He's a good kid. He's smart. He's, he's business savvy. I like this guy. He's going to be He's gonna be a superstar. He's got superstar. John Ross has superstar. Big time. Prime time written all over him. Well, this, this guy's going to light fire, be electric. Go nuclear, whatever you want to say. Get him on your dynasty team and buckle up as a fan just to watch John Ross in the NFL. No, I mean, the more and more I'm beginning to watch, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming more to Byron's conclusion that he should be the number one wide receiver in this class. I just think Corey Davis hadn't done enough through the process. I just have a lot of uncertainty about him. There's a small bit of uncertainty about John Ross because of his injury history. I get it, but, I mean – how can we hold that against him? We're not holding it against Corey Davis, who can't do anything throughout a whole entire draft season to prove his speed or his ability to move or anything like that comparatively versus players that played at a much higher level than he did in college. It's just I think that he has every bit of the opportunity to be a huge beast. But with John Ross, he's just checked off so many of the boxes. He's a guy we've gotten to talk to personally, a guy who um, you know we've seen – from a business sense, calls in and does stuff on time. You know, he, he, he takes care of his business. Byron says he was a great interview. I mean, but once you watch the film and then you, you just see how disgusting he is and you put it together with all the, you know, all of the measurements and the fact that he's the fastest oh, it, it, that's it ever been. It paints a beautiful picture. It paints a beautiful, and the thing is, he's, beautiful he's, picture. He's, he's, he's not that small. He's not that no, small. He's, one, he's 188. I think he can still add a little weight. Hold on. You bring up a few good points here. So, you know, what did we always say that, that turned out to be true time after time from our first five years at the Senior Bowl? The guys that showed up for their roster watch interviews at the Senior Bowl, their official Senior Bowl YouTube and Google Plus interviews, who we were in charge of shooting and facilitating for on behalf of the Senior Bowl, the guys who stayed in contact with us and showed up uh, uh, for their time slot as scheduled, all those guys have turned out to be really, really nice players. The ones like the Taj Boyds, uh, the Xavier uh, the, the Smiths, that, that were total dirt The Quentin Pattons. And just were no, just no calls, no shows. They've turned out to be dirt balls in the NFL, and we had a prime example yesterday. So it was actually Phil Backer, who's, uh, one of our other producers, who had scheduled the John Ross and Jerry, Jeremy McNichols interviews for yesterday. McNichols, the running back out of Boise, 
But it was Phil Backer, Backer I'm, I'm sorry, it was uh, Brian Drozda and Sandro Anello were the producers on the show yesterday. So they didn't have anything to do with the scheduling. So they were just like, all right, well, John Ross should be calling in. Like, just be ready, this and that. And John Ross just called in at the time, 50, 20 minutes into the show, exactly when he was supposed to. Well, then it came to the second hour. It was supposed to be the same drill with McNichols. Well, he didn't call in. So the guys are like, well, you know, of course, you know, we're just expecting him to call in. It's been scheduled, yada, yada. Do you want me to call Phil and see if Phil can get on the line and make sure this interview happens? I was just like, man, we've already had a great interview with Ross. We're going to wrap up the show. I got a bunch more here. We just had a look, so don't worry about it. But the point is that right there within one show is an example. Jeremy McNichols was a dirt ball and totally just threw, threw his, his obligations or things that he'd agreed to, whether he wanted to do them or not, in the trash, or he neglected them and forgot, which is also bad. And John Ross, though John Ross about to be a high first-round pick, he doesn't need to take time to call in for uh, the Fantasy Sports Channel at SiriusXM. Instead, he earned the respect of Roster Watch Nation for a lifetime. I told him he is a friend of Roster Watch Nation. Uh, for a lifetime. A couple other things here. Alex, he said he was injury prone. What he had was he had the ACL a couple years ago in college. Apparently that's healed just fine. And then he's had the shoulder that he had surgery for recently. So he's had those two injuries, but really it was just the ACL in college. So I don't. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess it's pretty unfair to say it, right? Been a little Malcolm Mitchell-ish, which in some ways there's a little bit of a, He's like the richest man's Malcolm Mitchell you could ever imagine, and we love a Malcolm Mitchell. And uh, but he did tell me the shoulder's not going to be ready till training camp, so he won't be taking part in uh, rookie mini camps. He will not be a full participant in OTAs, rookie mini camps, any of that stuff. We won't see John Ross unleashed, un- John Ross unleashed until um, August or late July. Um, and let me, and the other interesting thing is that John Ross, also like Malcolm Mitchell, this is all striking me now, he offered, or he was put in a position where he offered to play. They needed a defensive back. So Marcus Peters, the sick, sick all pro corner for the Kansas City Chiefs, who we loved coming out. Yeah, well. Shut down Jalen, shut down Jalen Strong like a little girl when those two played. And in college. So Marcus Peters left for the NFL. It left a big gaping spot in the secondary for the Huskies for Washington. They needed somebody to fill it. John Ross offered. They took Ross up on it. And John Ross, he said he had no problem with the transition. And he he said he fit right in. He took right to it. And I asked him, you know, what was different about the mentality of being on defense instead of offense and what does that say about you maybe as a wide receiver in the NFL when this is talked about as like a diva position? It, you know, certainly he says it shows you're more of a dog if you like to play defense. And, um, you know, of course, then I asked him, I said, well, all right, John, I said, you, you've been a defensive back. Uh, how would you defend yourself? And he said, oh, man, he said, I play a lot of cover, too. A lot of cover, too. <laughs> a lot. You want a lot of over-the-top help on both I, sides. <laughs> I, I said, try like a, like a fan, don't break. I'm not going to let me beat me over the top. I'm going to make me work underneath. Yeah. Hey man, that's shit. And then, but that's the thing. Like he, like he can run that cover two killer route. Like he can run that deep dig, that that dagger, which has just a, been a cover two killer. You know. He, I asked him. I asked him what his favorite route was, and I just love the answer. And this is pretty similar to what you're explaining. It's what you saw on tape. Is um, his favorite route? If he could have one route left in the world to run, it'd be a deep post. And there's nothing right. you feel sicker about than thinking about John Ross. Taking it to that house, dude, house call. Yeah, breaking down things like double and triple coverage with that speed. Over the top for for an Odell Beckham style touchdown. He he's 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 gonna pull away from safeties that have like an absolute perfect angle on him, and he's just gonna be able to just pull away, and it's going to look like he's the one moving in fast forward, <laughs> you know, while everybody else is moving just in in regular so, speed. Much like Mahomes, when I read the writing on the wall, the context clues here, I've really come to the idea that John Ross is 
going to be a very high first-round pick. I think there's going to be a lot of teams without the apparent need at the wide receiver position that are going to be in play for Ross. I expect him to go early, and I would uh, I won't be shocked if there's a surprise. He ends up somewhere where we weren't expecting. Well, and the one sick thing that we talked about is a possibility in our latest mock. We're going to have the interest tracker coming out, the interest tracker matrix for the last uh, two or so weeks heading into the NFL draft where we just keep track of all of the visits, all of the interviews, uh, everything like that that we can get our hands on and, and to where we can gauge interest from teams in the first round in certain players. And we're also going to be coming out with our with our official mock draft. And uh, one early one, probably one, one that's a little bit closer to the actual draft. And... I mean, we were talking about the possibility if Leonard Fournette were to go to number four at the uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, that we could be looking at Dave Gettleman possibly pulling the trigger on a John Ross and pulling up his big boy pants all the way under his big old man boobs and getting sick. He's gonna, he know he'd have to fish the belt real tight for that one as he hiked him up. The thing is, is that. They need. They lost Ted Ginn. They're not happy with the receivers. He'd be a nice, nice fit and addition. He's the ultimate show-me-what-you-can-do guy, which is Dave Gettleman's scouting mantra. Show me what he can the do. The NFL draft, the NFL draft courtroom. So I see that. I also would not be shocked if John Ross ended up a Bengal. I certainly think they could use somebody legit opposite of A.J. Green. Uh, especially with, what is it, Tyler Boyd in the slot. That's a really nice trio there. We've talked about it. We believe Mike Williams is the better fit with Sammy Watkins in Buffalo, but you have to think if Buffalo's looking at wide receiver, Ross will be in play there. And let me give you the real sneak one. I don't think they're going to move a wide receiver just to replace with another one, but this could be a cap move, and they might think it's an upgrade. What about the New Orleans Saints replacing Grant and Cooks with John Ross? Well, I mean, they would be, they would be absolutely – filthy about that they would absolutely love that but you kind of think that that's what they he's a better player than brandon cooks yeah yeah i mean i think he's a better prospect coming out than brandon cooks was for sure john John ross better prospect than brandon cooks we are too sick what's gonna happen is what i think's gonna happen is you know nobody had odell Beckham going as high as he did we knew how sick he was and I, I think we got the same thing brewing here. I think somebody's – and nobody was really expecting the Giants to be in play for Odell Beckham. I think that's how this thing is shaping up for John Ross at about the same juncture in the draft. Well, we certainly are sick about him. And I think he's probably going to be our number one wide receiver when this is said and done. We have to see how the final analytics come in, but – John Ross, certainly, we're happy to have, we were very happy to have him on the Sirius radio program. If you have the Sirius XM uh, subscription, you can go on demand inside your app. Listen back to Byron's full interview with John Ross. Also go to rosterwatch.com, find all of our content from all of these pro days, all of the new pro material coming out, including my MFL 10 cheat sheet, which version 1. Version 1.0 will be dropping uh, as soon as our marketing and web guy gets it up in the pro section there in the downloads. We will have that up. That'll be getting updated probably here in the next week or so, but it's a great skeleton to start with. If you have any questions, as always, get at us on the website. Byron, Podcast 14, you, you got any uh, concluding thoughts or any you know final things you need to get off your chest? Uh, I see a sign for Port Arthur right now. And, you know, just to throw it out there, if you hadn't heard it yet, our list of comps for John Ross include Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill, Santana Moss, and Odell Beckham. When you look down and look at that list of names, uh, it's hard to deny the kind of prospects we're we're dealing with here. Speaking of Port Arthur, Texas, does he maybe have a little tiny dash of Jamal Charles in him? I hadn't thought about that. That's all. It's always that good. Dash Jamal Charles. It's true. All right. That will do it for episode 14 of the podcast. As always, give us a five-star rating. Give us a good review. Go to rosterwatch.com. Get a pro membership for Byron Lambert on the road to LSU Pro Day. My name is Alex Dunlap. We will see you next time.